Dear listeners, it is Tuesday, and welcome to the June 19th edition of On the Triangle. I'm your host, Jake Langlois. And I'm DeAndre Jones, and we've got a great show for you tonight. That's right, DeAndre. This week, we bring you stories from around NC State, including the changing face of Hillsborough Street, as well as a re-examination of a mysterious death of a Wolf Line bus driver that occurred last winter. In addition, I've reviewed another restaurant around Raleigh, but before that, let's find out what we can expect the next week in the weather. What can we look forward to, Katie? Well, DeAndre, lately we have been a bit on the cooler side for this time of year since temperatures have been sticking around in the 70s and 80s. But today we saw a very different story with a high of 90 degrees. It was definitely a hot one out there. Tonight we will be warm with a low of 69 degrees and partly cloudy skies, so a fairly moderate evening. Now the summer solstice is officially tomorrow evening at 7.08 p.m. in Raleigh, and it will actually feel like summer. Tomorrow is going to be a hot one with a high of 93 degrees, mostly sunny skies and lows near 70. So be sure to stay cool and enjoy the pool. Thursday and Friday will be even hotter since temperatures will climb into the mid-90s with mostly sunny skies. And overnight, Thursday and Friday, temperatures will be in the lower 70s. This weekend is going to be an overall beautiful summer weekend with highs in the low 90s and sunny skies. So it is the perfect weekend to go to the lake or barbecue out by the pool. Overnight lows will stay in the upper 60s to low 70s. So, Jake, knowing that tomorrow marks the official first day of summer, isn't it crazy how close the hot temperatures have lined up today and for the rest of the week? Mother Nature must really be on the ball. She's in a good mood, and I'm really looking forward to that. Thanks, Katie. Yeah, you're welcome. Next, we turn to Andrew with what's happening in the news. Thanks, Jake. President Obama announced last Friday that the Department of Homeland Security will stop deporting illegal immigrants who entered the country before age 16. The immigrants must have been here at least five years, be enrolled in high school or hold high school diplomas, or be military veterans. The immigrants must also be younger than 30 and have clean criminal records. (laughs) Ahmed Shafiq declared himself the winner of the Egyptian presidential vote today, contrary to claims by the Muslim Brotherhood, that Mohamed Morsi was the winner. Meanwhile, the country's ruling military council dissolved the Islamist-led parliament. Protesters led by the Muslim Brotherhood gathered in Tahrir Square to protest the developments. And WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange is seeking asylum at the Ecuadorian embassy in London. Assange is set to be extradited to Sweden due to charges of sexual abuse. These claims against him were made shortly after WikiLeaks published secret U.S. military documents in 2010. And that's the news. Thanks, Andrew. In what began as a $10 million renovation project several years ago, Hillsborough Street has undergone some major changes in the past several years. Some good, some not so good. For anyone that's ever driven on Hillsborough Street north of the North Carolina State University campus, you no doubt know how much of a headache driving on it can be. It is narrow, uneven, and at times just downright confusing. And if you've driven on Hillsborough Street lately, you've also most likely noticed the road construction they've been doing on it for the past couple of weeks or so. Hillsborough Street has undergone some major renovations in the past couple of years. More than $10 million were set aside to give Hillsborough Street a major makeover, and in many ways, it's been a success. Businesses have sprung up on the newly renovated street, and the street is in the midst of having some of its oldest stretches repaved. The stretch near Dixie Street was completed just a few days ago. But not everything has been a success. I am, of course, talking about the infamous two-lane roundabout at the intersection of Hillsborough Street and Poland Road. This roundabout was opened in 2010, and over the past 20 months, there have been more than 100 crashes related to the roundabout. In an effort to solve a problem, mainly the congestion caused by the traffic light that was previously at the intersection, engineers instead put in a roundabout with two lanes meant to ease the congestion. The result? It is now more confusing than ever. There was an incident probably 
was people who had to slam on their brakes because someone will stop, someone will abruptly stop in the middle of it and kind of be like, okay, where am I going? I almost got hit yesterday, but besides that, I've heard of other accidents, but I've never seen them. Those are interviews from a 2010 video about the Hillsborough Street Roundabout, and their testimonies are not uncommon. On multiple occasions, I'd nearly gotten into fender benders myself, a common occurrence. A roundabout by its nature is not complicated, but for a roundabout to work safely and properly, the drivers must know the rules, when to yield and when to go. The rules regarding this particular roundabout are unclear, especially because it has such a unique traffic design. In fact, many just call it bad planning, and at long last, the city of Raleigh seems to agree. DOT officials have discussed reducing the roundabout to a single ring in order to eliminate the mounting number of accidents that have occurred there. It was part of the original renovation of Hillsborough Street two years ago, but an estimated over $300,000 in repair damages and over 100 accidents later, it is looking as if the infamous Hillsborough Street roundabout will just have to go. For Eye on the Triangle, I'm Jake Langlois, WKNC 88.1. God, yeah, it's awful. I think it's kind of fun. I like just, you know, <laughs> looping around a couple times. No. No, it's just, it's bad urban design. Yeah, I can think of at least, like, five individual instances in which I've almost, like, gotten T-boned or T-boned someone else. You know, I don't really think it's too difficult. It's just, <laughs> it, uh, no, 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 but a lot of people don't know how to use it correctly. I, I think it's just sort of like a driver's ed sort of problem. Well, I mean, I I drive, there's a roundabout where I live, so they're not hard to use. But this one is just like, it's got two lanes, and so you're, you know, you got people coming from um, Poland Road, and they're trying to keep going straight on Poland Road, and as you're trying to get around, you know, pulling off of Hillsborough Street, that's where the, you hit the problems, and it's I've, it's almost happened to me twice. Like, I'm not a bad driver. It's just, <laughs> you know. Are you sure, Jake? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> well. But- but, like, in Europe, they have stuff like uh, Piccadilly Circus, where it's, like, you know, eight lanes oh, and all goodness. going in the circle. Do you think it's just, like, an American problem? Americans don't know how to use roundabouts? Uh, sure. I, le- I legitimately do think that. Like, <laughs> I think that Americans as a whole, like, w- w- after, dri- after we get out of driver's ed, we just, like, forget everything that we ever learned in driver's ed. I, I, think, I think it's back to what Andrew said. It's a cultural, it's a cultural thing. We're just used to traffic lights. I like the roundabout. Yeah. No, I like I like it's got a charm. Mark over here. I like the roundabout. I like I like one lane roundabouts. They're simple. They're easy to use. Two lane, three lane. No. Well, that's what we're going down to. Well, that's that's why I'm happy. It's like a little tiny racetrack where you have to like you know change lanes and get to the innermost circle. <laughs> going around the roundabout at night though, when no one else is on it, is really fun though. <laughs> Can't say I've ever done that. Alrighty. Well, what's next? All right, well, um, in addition to the renovations of the street, some major changes are coming, including to some including some stories that longtime students to NC State are, fl- are familiar with. Andrew has more. Hillsborough Street may soon be losing some of its preeminent student attractions, and it's because of NC State. The university announced plans last August that the shops across from the bell tower, like Sad Likes Heroes, School Kids Records, and Buddha's Belly, will be demolished to make room for a chain hotel unit. Most of the shop's leases expire this fall, and construction on the $50 million project is set to begin sometime in 2015. 
The university endowment fund bought the land years ago, but has been leasing the current residence with the intent of eventually redeveloping the lot as part of the ongoing Hillsborough Street revitalization project, which started with the roundabout installations in 2010. The two traffic circles were built to relieve the congestion that long played Hillsborough, especially the NC State portion. But despite the praise the project's concept has received, it hasn't been so successful in execution. The $10 million traffic system has caused over 100 crashes in its first 20 months, mounting to over $30,000 in repairs and causing the North Carolina Department of Transportation to reconsider the circle's effectiveness. Now, this hotel project threatens to strip Hillsborough of some of its most popular attractions, including Satellite's Heroes, the sandwich shop and music venue, which has occupied the corner of Hillsborough and Enterprise since 1973. Frank Sadlack sold the restaurant to Rose Schwetz in 1984, who has owned it ever since. Now Schwetz claims that she and the other Bell Tower shop owners weren't even informed of the university's plans before the NC State Endowment Fund announced their partnership with the Bernstein Company last August. The Bernstein Company has built six hotels in the Washington, D.C. area. This seems to be their first development outside of Maryland and Northern Virginia. Last year, Hillsborough Street lost the brewery, the 28-year-old music venue, as once the forefront of the Raleigh music scene. It was demolished to make way for a drugstore. Now with the Bell Tower shops closing, Hillsborough seems to be becoming less of a student attraction and more of a generic city street. Ralph Ritchie, NC State's director of real estate, has defended the plans, saying, You can't have redevelopment and substantial development in a neighborhood without someone having to be relocated. But this hollow excuse sounds too close to, you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. I don't know what the university hopes to gain in this scheme, but at the risk of losing some of Hillsborough's oldest and most loved college-oriented establishments, I can already say it's not worth it. The fact of the matter is that these businesses occupy a desirable corner at the edge of the university. NC State bought up the land from the original leaseholder years ago and is now driving out the occupants. It is my opinion that the university should have no role in the commercialization of the land outside its borders, land already occupied by perfectly good businesses. It seems these developments are meant to benefit the city of Raleigh and the university's upper echelon, people who would actually stay in the luxury hotel and not NC State students. Hillsborough Street is being commercialized under the guise of gentrification, at the disadvantage of shop owners and the university's own students. Brian the Triangle, I'm Andrew Eichen. Last winter, a Wolf Line bus driver died of mysterious causes. While there was never suspicion of foul play, it is, never, it is nevertheless an intriguing story. DeAndre went in search of the real story. So today I'll be covering a bit darker side of the university. That is, if you can call this incident a part of NC State's jurisdiction. In December of last year, a Wolf Line driver, Joan Sewell, died three days after collapsing on a Wolf Line bus. Those words in themselves are pretty alarming as the Wolf Line is a much appreciated system that students use throughout the year. What's so odd about this case, though, is how it is handled publicity-wise. First Transit is a company that NC State contracts the Wolf Line out to, so naturally when an employee dies on a bus, they are looked to for answers. However, no answers were given to many questions that were asked. How did she die? What was she doing before she passed out? Did she complain at all? This is why I found this story worth retelling. 
And I use the term retelling because the technician has done some incredibly informing articles about this story. They are posted on technicianonline.com. No reports were made available to students about the death of Sewell, so one student named Katina Gad did a little investigative reporting herself. She brought back highly interesting results. Upon asking four Wolf Line drivers about the incident, there was one major undertone, and that was secrecy. Two of the four drivers gave information, but only with the promise that their names and information would not be shared. This fact alone can lead someone to believe that these drivers feared for their jobs. Should the university allow such hush-hush behavior from a company that interweaves so closely with the student body? That driver revealed that Sewell had complained about two or three times prior to collapsing about the fumes of the vehicle. Perhaps the most shocking bit of Katina's editorial is the details about the last driver. When asked about the last incident, the driver threatened to throw Katina off of the bus. Then, when the driver heard Katina inquire to the student next to her about the incident, she was removed from the bus at the next stop. The bus driver then told her that she was not allowed to speak to fellow students about what happened. Surely, this screams scandal, and many students felt that it was up to NC State to get the real information about the incident. However, Brian O'Sullivan, Assistant Director of Planning and Operations at NC State, said, quote, As far as the university is concerned, we're kind of standing on the sidelines, unquote, when asked about the investigation. There is no doubt that when the incident occurred, the students were the group that was largely relevant. Knowing this, NC State's call to stand by the wayside definitely seemed out of place. Whether it was right or wrong is not my place to say. However, the decision is definitely questionable. Now, the incident has been resolved at this point. Autopsy shows that Joan Sewell died of carbon monoxide poisoning. This is most definitely something that could also endanger the students. The situation could have been handled better. Now, First Transit did indeed pull the bus and had maintenance done on it. They also performed regular maintenance on the fleet as a whole. Knowing this, the students would have appreciated more upfrontness about the issue. Our trust in the Wolf Line is extensive. However, it seems that secrets and sketchy drivers only put a strain on that trust. Thank you, and for Eye on the Triangle, this has been DeAndre Jones. This week, DeAndre went to Cup of Joe, that quaint little coffee shop I've probably driven by half a million times. In the last few weeks, I've been very ethnic with my highlights. Which, by the way, is very understandable since food from other cultures is both delicious and educational. No better combination. Regardless, this week I'm highlighting a more American establishment. The small coffee shop, Cup of Joe. There are two locations around this area, and that is in Mission Valley Plaza on Avon Ferry Road and on the far side of Hillsborough Street past Zaxby's. My personal favorite is the Mission Valley location. Cup of Joe offers an excellent range of foods, way beyond coffee. Their menu consists of sandwiches, pastries, smoothies, and more. With each choice looking excellent, you will find yourself confused as to what to order. And, of course, there is the coffee. There are cappuccinos, frappes, and teas of different varieties for the customer's enjoyment. Oh, and by the way, did I mention that you can buy your own coffee beans? Yeah, you can buy your own coffee beans. Couple this with the quaint outside and inside seating areas, and you've got yourself a great place to relax, chat with friends, and do homework. The workers are a great company as well. Charisma at its finest. Thanks, guys, and tune in next show for another restaurant highlight of the week. Now DeAndre has for us this week's riddle. Help us out, DeAndre. All right, well, this week's riddle is short. When I'm first said, I'm quite mysterious. But when I'm explained, I'm nothing serious. 
What am I? I'll give you a hint on this one. It's really meta. So. <laughs> well, that's all we have for you tonight. You know, Jake, you're so witty. <laughs> I, you know what? I do my best. <laughs> we thank you guys for tuning in. And as always, if you heard anything you liked, you hated, or anything just made you think, let us know on our Facebook page. You can also follow us on Twitter at WKNC underscore EOT. Also, be sure to check out our blog at WKNC.org. And don't forget, we're now broadcasting every other week broadcasting. And so we will see you on the 19th of June. Until then, good night. And sorry, it's not the 19th of June. Whatever comes after that. Oh, yeah. <laughs>